0: Really proud of the efforts of of NASCAR for stepping up and wanting to, you know, be a part of change. There are some people who these racist views are core to their being, and they are leaving them, and that's fine. They need to be left by NASCAR and everyone else.
1: The stars and bars is a symbol of
0: Hate this is the most crucial time and and the time is of the essence right now in the the world that we're in. For me, it's something just has to change and that's just where a lot of guys talked about it and we started. So, Y'all tell me what that
1: flag was. I know exactly what that flag was, but I also know what that flag is. Don't know anybody coming at me
2: with a history lesson of what that is. People act like, like I'm betraying some sort of cause or betraying their DNA. Give me a break. We have to continue this message. It has to be today,
0: tomorrow, the next day, and ten damn years from now.
1: NASCAR drives change, a Marty and McGee special on the SEC network and
0: on ESPN radio. Hey
1: everybody! It's Marty McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network.
0: That was from some fire and brimstone right that there, was, son. That
1: was something right there. Dude, I got, I got chills listening to myself. If you don't mind, could you hand me that big white ivory and gold lettered uh, family
0: Bible over there? Because I'm going to hit some upside the head with it after
1: uh,
0: after that uh, deal. Maybe that Funkin' Wagnalls encyclopedia over there, too. Uh, you can listen to us
1: uh, by hollering at your smart speaker to play ESPN radio, and uh, we are as always presented by Progressive Insurance, and guests will join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line, and we have multiple guests this morning. Brad Daugherty, um is going to join us um, for a while, because uh, you and I have both known Brad for a long time, and uh, I can only imagine uh, what the last week has been like for uh, the world's largest, physically largest NASCAR fan. Uh, war number 43 in the league because he loved Richard Petty. Uh, Warwick Scott, grandson of Wendell Scott, the first full-time and uh, one of only two full-time African-American uh, race car drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series. And then our buddy Clinton Yates is going to join us uh, as we round the final turn uh, straight on into Hellbilly Headlines toward the end of the show. All right, buddy. Uh, it has been a week. It's been a week I never thought sure. I'd see. Uh, it's been a week that I'm so thankful I was here to see, and I'm, it's a week that I'm thankful that you and I, um, we first met at a racetrack. We don't even know which one it was, 20 years ago. And this week, uh, you and I have covered something I didn't History. really believe we'd ever see.
0: Yes, sir. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that the reason that we got the opportunity to cover it was a convergence of variables that included and, and the center point thereof is a respected, successful, vulnerable black competitor who was extremely forthright in attempting and in many ways succeeding to educate his white peers. And an uber successful, uber respected first ballot Hall of Fame member of that group, Jimmy Johnson, and I was speaking of Bubba Wallace, of course, and Jimmy Johnson being moved by what's happening all across this nation right now with this push, this march, this movement for racial equality, and and Jimmy really galvanizing that driving core, and when that happened, when all of those guys, not all of them, most of them, when most of those guys, the marquee stars in the sport bought in and decided that they were ready to stand up, which took a ton of courage for the whole group, from Bubba, Jimmy, the Bush brothers, Ryan Blaney, um, on and on and on. I, I don't want to leave anybody out. I, I, there's a big list of them. And and that then, even though NASCAR had been considering as a company for a long time making steps towards racial equality, when those drivers banded together that way, it demanded everybody pay attention. And NASCAR got on board, and Fox Network got on board, and we saw what we saw six days ago at Atlanta Motor Speedway with a moment of silence and um, a an official kneeling and... Bubba wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt that states, I can't breathe. And then you fast forward to Wednesday, which is the moment McGee is really discussing that he thought we'd never see, which is NASCAR deciding to ban the Confederate flag as the sport is getting ready to participate at Martinsville Speedway. And I think a lot of people, McGee, were shocked. I wasn't. But the, I wasn't only because of the context of the moment. If this would have happened without the context of the, the national and in, and even global movement right now, uh, I would have been shocked. But just based on the actual context, I'm not shocked, but I will tell you to your point. I just don't know that I ever expected it to happen.
1: No, and, and I just, you know, what we have seen um, in the past, and you and I, uh, w- we did an entire show about the Confederate flag. And it was, I guess it was three years ago, four years ago, when, when they had the, the... I think it was the,
0: 2015, right? The, right terrible, after the Charles terrible Houston church yeah,
1: Terrible church shootings. And, and the debate for the umpteenth time started in the state of South Carolina about flying the Confederate battle flag. Um, the Stars and Bars, as is, is it's called, uh, over the State House uh, on the grounds of the Capitol Building in Columbus, South Carolina. And you and I on this show, um, back when it was in the afternoon and we hadn't been doing it that long, and we went off for a couple hours about it. And and I think there was an assumption because of our accents, because of what we sound like, uh, fake or otherwise, that we were – um that we wouldn't fall on the side of right when it came to taking that flag down. And we, we hollered and screamed about it for two hours. And so this is not new. And I, but I honestly believe that the furthest NASCAR would ever take it is what they did in the days after that, which was it was the exchange program. Hey, race fans, if you got a confederate flag at the racetrack, why don't you bring that over to us at the souvenir tent and you can trade that in for, you know, another flag of your choice. And I don't think a lot of people did that. And I thought that the effort was a punt, um, and I thought that's about as far as as we would see it. I, just like you, always knew where the hearts of the people who ran NASCAR, where, where those hearts were, and where the hearts of the people, the competitors on pit road, um, the competitors, our, our colleagues uh, in the media center, uh, the NASCAR officials, and quite frankly, where most race fans, I, I always knew where they stood. I just didn't think it would ever be formalized. And, and I think it's an important thing to say because you and I have talked about this a lot in the last three days. When I first, the first year I was paid by ESPN to go cover motorsports, I, I, I was so thrilled to cover the Southern 500 at the Darlington Raceway. And and this is the original NASCAR super speedway race. And I'll never forget there was an old man with a big old long table, and he was set up just outside the entrance to the Winston Cup Garage, selling nothing but Confederate flags, right there in the infield, right there by the gate, while everybody inside was working on the cars, because he knew that's where the fans would be. I have not seen that guy in twenty plus years, and I'm he was old then, so I'm sure he's dead and buried. But I also know at some point he was asked to get out of there. And when I think about when I first started covering the Daytona 500 and would see hundreds of Confederate flags, and this past Daytona 500, I know for a fact that there were people that were sent out with the specific purpose of counting the number of flags in the infield, in the campgrounds, in the grandstands, everywhere. They came up with about a couple of dozen. That's it. And, and so that's, that's where I know that the collective hearts – of the sport have always been. I just, I'd be lying if I said I never expected to receive the press release that formalized, uh, kicking but, that
0: flag out of the racetrack, banning it. I mean, yeah. actually banning it. Um, it's a, it's, it's impossible guys to overstate what an historic moment it is. And, and if you really look at it, if you really want to be honest, NASCAR did more for racial equality in their own garage in a week than they'd done in 70 years. Yep. And, um, there's a lot of reasons why, as I tried probably unsuccessfully to articulate there off the top of the show. But a major part of that is, uh, you know, of course, Bubba's influence, Jimmy and the driver's influence, but, New leadership at the top of the company, yep. and and a new day. It was just time. As I as I surveyed the sport and and surveyed, you know NASCAR and, and trying to determine like w- w- why now. It was just time, and and there's a lot of pissed off people about it. Uh, obviously, you and I have seen them as 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 much as we've been on television and radio and podcasts and whatnot discussing it the past several days, there are some angry people. They feel like they're having uh, certain rights taken from them and whatnot. And and as I've stated many times, my message to you if you're frustrated by this or angered by this or pissed off at this is, and I mean this, this is not lip service or, or any sort of, I'm not being trite. Please come to the racetrack. Yep. Please, we, everybody at NASCAR wants you there. Yep, They just, they're, they're not closing a door on you by disallowing you the opportunity to raise a Confederate flag over your motor or your campsite or whatnot. They are opening doors. They're opening their doors to everybody by eliminating that. And you guys have to remember something else that's very important in this equation. And McGee, forgive me, brother. I haven't seen all of the 7,425 appearances you've done this week. So you might have mentioned this. I have not mentioned it but once or twice just based on time. But since we get three hours today, this is important. NASCAR is not a franchised business. NASCAR is a privately held business each of those race teams is are, are privately held businesses owned by Joe Gibbs or Rick Hendrick or Roger Penske or Richard Childress etc so in order for those gentlemen i just mentioned to be able to afford to put all of those race cars on the track it ain't cheap they have to have corporate backing from some of the most successful, largest brands in the world. And I'm talking to the tune of 18 to 26, 7 million. I think Denny Hamlin's FedEx deal is north of 30. Forgive me if that's incorrect, but I think it's right. And do, do, I, I would have to believe that not a single one of those companies is going to let its employees wear a Confederate flag too work and so there is there are so many tentacles that 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 extend from this decision and it's a long time coming but i i mean it nascar's not turning its back on you they're not
1: they're not uh, they're opening the door to other people and uh and and if i'm telling i've said this all week i wrote it in a column on wednesday night um If if not being able to fly a Confederate battle flag over your head prevents you from enjoying yourself at a race and you can't instead fly the flag of your favorite driver, the flag of the state you live in, the flag of the United States of America. If you can't enjoy a race based on the flag that's flying over your head, then you never love NASCAR as much as I do. You've never loved NASCAR as much as Marty does. And you've never loved NASCAR as much as NASCAR does, because <laughs> if a flag is what keeps you from enjoying where you are, then I got great news: uh, you can enjoy it from your house and fly whatever damn flag you want. It's Marty McGee Don't on ESPN Radio and the SEC everything. Network. Uh, you just heard the voice of uh, Bubba Wallace, and um, never stop a thing. We, Marty, and I have only covered him since he's basically a teenager. And uh, and and Bubba Wallace, from from the from minute from jump one, he has said that if he were given the opportunity and given the the voice and given the platform, that he wanted to introduce NASCAR to a segment of people who just did not feel comfortable there, and he's talking about people of color because he loves the sport so much. And uh, Brad Darty's is going to join us uh, at the bottom of the hour, and, and he'll, we're going to ask him about this because it's the same thing. It's, it, it's, you love it so much, but yet you feel like you have to almost apologize to friends and family who are like, well, why are you going there? You know, haven't you seen this symbol of hate, this Confederate battle flag flying? It, you know, In some cases, a lot of flags flying. And uh, and Bubba Wallace has absolutely been the impetus for all this is happening. Something we talked about, Marty, right before we, we took a break, was um, this idea of a symbol that you have to have, and you know, it, it, the heritage, not hate, and uh, well you don't know what that flag really means, and and all that stuff. And, and I I said this to SVP the other night, and and I know you said it too, which is, man, there are so many ways to express being Southern we do it every day uh, do it every day i mean listen to the music we just had coming back from break eat a bowl of grits talk about your grandma i mean there's so many things you can do and wear and say and display to express how proud you are to be from the south um there's so many more options Mm -hmm. that that, that don't have to be that flag
0: i couldn't be prouder to be from the south um i wear that on my sleeve every day i love the south and born and raised in the rural south and that was one of the things that i broached on first take the other day and didn't really get to to dive in as deeply as i would like to have with dominique and max and molly because it was the end of the segment but just diving in uh, even even another level deeper to to things like apparel because i grew up and i know you're a duke's a hazard fan too you and i used to call each other we used to go by the duke boys and some people still call us the duke boys i love that television program it's my favorite show of all time and i have t-shirts in the drawer over here that have the general lee the iconic 1969 orange dodge charger on that t-shirt very big on that t-shirt and on top of that race car is the rebel flag or I guess car. It was a race car in some scripts. Um, on top of that car is the Confederate flag. And so if I wear that t-shirt with, with complete, with no other, no agenda other than, man, I love that car and that show. But someone sees that t-shirt and they are offended by that. How does that impact their perception of me? Even if again, wearing it is completely honest. And completely genuine, and and with with no agendas, and you know, Dominique basically said, "Man, it ain't worth it." And there's a, there's just so much to unpack. I mean, I going to to school, I grew up seeing the flag, and going to school, I mean, basically on a daily basis, you'd see somebody have on a Bo, Bo Cephas t shirt. Or an Alabama T-shirt, the band, not the school, that had a rebel flag on it, and I never even it never even entered my mind. It was just there. There was n- there in, there there was never any consideration of it being insensitive. But I did that was born from ignorance on my part. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it hurt people's feelings or or that it was uncomfortable. And I've had conversations with high school teammates of mine this week where we were in tears about some of the things that they managed. And so it's an evolution and a growth process and looking inside yourself to love other people. So uh, this is an important conversation this morning, and we'll continue with Brad Doherty next on Marty and McGee and the SEC Network.
1: It's Marty McGee. On ESPN radio, the SEC network, uh, you, and, uh, by hollering at your smart speaker to play ESPN radio, where, as always, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. And now, uh, it's time for your Sports Center update, presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. The University of Houston suspended voluntary workouts after an uptick in positive coronavirus tests. The university said six symptomatic student-athletes in various sports tested positive for the virus and that coupled with a recent surge in positive tests in the city of Houston led the school to suspend activities. Houston is the first school to do so after bringing student-athletes back to campus.
0: When we are reading these... Yeah, Are you and I controlling the same screen? Because I'm no. not touching my mouse, and that thing's bouncing around all over no, the place.
1: That, that's James. That's, uh, that's James. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure. What, he, his hands are still a little twitchy from building a basketball goal the last couple of days. I know. He,
0: it won't stop. Jamie moving. Buckets.
1: Yeah. I have old Jamie man Buckets. bifocals, and
0: I'm having a hard time reading it when it's moving around, but I did it. Yeah. You and me both, Junior. During a call that lasted some 90 minutes and included 100 players and several stars, Kyrie Irving made an impassioned plea on players making a stand and sitting out the season's resumption in Orlando, sources told Adrian Wojnarowski, which I've learned I'm saying Woj's name wrong. After all of this boasting, I'm apparently not saying it right. Several players suggested they'd be willing to sit out the season and numerous more discussed social issues, league economics, and ultimately a sense that they needed to be united in a decision on whether to resume. Wow!
1: Oh, by the, and by the way, we're speaking of Woj, however you want to say his last name, received we're going a to just call nice, him that. It received a very uh, nice note from him on Thursday night. Uh, I did too about Martin, Yeah, and it was um, coming. It meant from, a lot to me. Come from him. It meant an awful lot. Uh, someone else who means an awful lot to us within uh, this company and just in our, our, our just in friendship is Brad Darty, who uh, Marty and I we both worked alongside for years uh, during the NASCAR on ESPN days uh, of uh, not of, of a few years ago, and um, we talked with Brad on Friday. Um, he's out on the West Coast, and he wanted to make sure. He had a chance to talk us to stuff. us. We wanted to make he ain't sure getting if, up early. Yeah, we had a chance to talk to him. He may be sitting a grandbaby out on the west coast, so he asked if we could chat on Friday and we did. Um, uh, I did not I hadn't texted or called him this week. I don't know if you had, because I just no. I figure everybody in the world was. Same. Uh, and and for folks that don't know, yes, this is the Brad Darty that uh, was an all American University of North Carolina basketball. Yes, this is the Brad Darty. Uh, who was an NBA All Star with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it's also the Brad Darty who wore number forty three because he loved Richard Petty. Uh, he also is the Brad Darty that yes, he was an ESPN NASCAR analyst as well as basketball because he is to this day and has been for years co-owner of a Cup Series team. JTG Darty has won races as a Cup Series owner, and that was his dream growing up in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And uh, Over. My, fir- <laughs> my first question to Brad uh, on Friday as a lifelong fan and team owner, when, when he received the phone call at 5 o'clock on Wednesday that NASCAR was going to ban the Confederate flag at the racetrack, what was his reaction?
2: It actually happened uh, ahead of that for me, Ryan. I was, uh, I'm, in, I'm in California, I'm out. my grand grandson's out here, so I'm out with my new grandbaby and I was just kind of goofing off. It's probably a little bit closer to about noon, 1 o'clock, uh, your time, Eastern time, I got a call, and it was from Steve Phelps. And I uh, usually you get a call from Steve. I'm in trouble, done something. Got, yeah. <laughs> we're tearing <laughs> no, your race car yeah. apart, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Steve, Steve's a good friend, known him a long time. And uh, he just called and said, hey, you know, uh, thinking about you, just want to let you know that we're going to take a pretty significant stand. And uh, we're going to eliminate the Confederate flag from all of our events, and uh, just want to let you know we're thinking about you. And I was like Anna, I, I, I didn't know what to say, and I always have something to say. I, I did not know what to say, and uh, you know, been around a long time, and uh, uh, just like you, been around this sport forever, uh, a lot of in, uh, you know, in various capacities, and but always been a fan. And uh, the one thing that's always bothered me. As the sport has evolved um, over the last three decades, is just the Confederate flag, and I just when we got into 2015 and we had the little hubbub about the flag, and and uh, you know had the incidents in Charleston, and people were were more aware, and just became more cognizant of the the, the harm and and the uh, you know just the intimidation of the flag. You know NASCAR stepped up and and tried to do the best the best that they could do uh and removing the flag from being used, but you know, it's it's a big it's a big apple to eat. And uh it still disappointed me when we went to certain places and I, I just see the you know the vast majority of flags flying and uh it bothered me. So but to go back to your question, I, I, I was floored. I, I never thought it would happen, to be honest with you. And and I always saw it as that last straw that in today's world, today's economy, or everything that's going on that was always going to be that last straw that could break uh, the sports back when it comes to, uh, you know, popularity, uh, you know, economic opportunities, business opportunities, because I've I've heard it. You know, I've sat in these board meetings and listened to people talk and have, you know, direct questions about that and and the concerns. And even though we still – um, you know, we still garner a lot of the top 100 comp- you know, fortune companies in the world and our business in some way, shape, form. There's still concern um, about that image and what it represents. So historic day. And I told Steve, I said, man, we're going to look back 20 years from now, and uh, it's going to be interesting uh, because this is so historical. And, um, and I told him, you're putting your neck out on the line, and I admire that. And that type of leadership is what we need in today's world. You know, that's what we need.
1: Yeah. And, and from a business person's perspective, you're trying to sell sponsorship for a race team and have to answer these questions. But there's also the personal side of it. And you and I have talked about this so many times. And I've talked to Bubba Wallace about it. I've talked to Wendell Scott's family about it. I've talked to, you know, everyone about it. We all have to have had to kind of apologize. I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes, yeah. you know, we have to qualify it. And so when, when you yeah. and I are talking to our friends in the stick and ball sports world. Oh man. And, yeah. and when you're, when, when you were in the NBA locker room, and you're trying to keep an eye on the race at Martinsville. The, yep. Those rolled <laughs> eyes that you got from your teammates. I'm never going to go sure. to a racetrack with you. I mean, I mean, and, 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 yep. and, and it's not as simple as it just was the flag. But man, it didn't help, did it?
2: No, you're that. Is, you're so dead on. And we have talked about this a lot. And even until last I so I was uh, I was doing some stuff with the, the Cavaliers, and uh, you know, I i went in and I was asked to come in and do some work with Tristan Thompson and do a little stuff with Kevin Love and, and do some things and just kind of be around the team and give my opinions. And I and I, had, I loved it. I had a great time. And so uh, I was spending a lot of time in Cleveland. And, you know, as different people would come through would chit-chat, and it was just a constant diatribe of, man, I just can't get my arms around you, Brad, being involved in NASCAR. And, and it always that always aggravates because people always start this conversation with me what, what? about – how did you get involved? Why are you, do, you know, why? And I, and it, I've been doing this for 30 something years, right? So that just yeah. aggravates me to begin with. And then, you know, the players, some of the old school players, we had a big, a big reunion, big NBA, and these guys were wearing me out. They're like, oh, yeah. what are you doing? I'm like, look, you don't get, come go to the racetrack with me. He's got to, I'm not going to the racetrack. Yeah.
1: It's, it's awesome. It's, like, it's, on, the, it's the greatest it's experience in the world. Now, you can't get them there. Yeah.
2: No, I said, it's not There's not, it's not the Civil War at the racetrack. No one's going to chase us around. I said, you, you just don't get it. And so, uh, you know, and I've, I've talked to guys until I'm blue in the face, and the thing I'd always tell them is, who in the world, what guy in the world doesn't love race cars? Yeah. Who doesn't love seeing race cars? I mean, and then, so, you know, it, it just goes on and on. But you've had the same conversation. I'm more out. Even when I would do college basketball, I'd hear the same thing. Or if I went to a college football game, you know, I go to Chapel Hill, go to college football game. And, you know, and you have race fans who were players, but some of the coaches would be like, just explain this to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I can't explain it to you. What do you mean explain it to you? So, yeah. And then and, and it always came back to, well, what about the Confederate flag? I mean, don't they have those flying at all those racetracks? I'm like, no, they're not flying at every racetrack. There's a few venues to go to that you're going to see. He just gets sick and tired of defending the sport, which is a great, great, as you know, great sport, great people, you know. And it just, we've lost our way a little bit, I think, because of it. You know, we went through the, you know, the mid 2000s and the sport was on a, a huge climb and we were, you know, getting close to being one of the big four and uh, very progressive thinking. And then it just stalled out and uh, now. You know, it's hit the wall, and and this is a heck of a day, heck of a time, and I'm proud to be a, a, a NASCAR owner uh, and fan uh, in today's day.
1: Way more of our conversation with Brad Darty straight ahead, and uh, he only gets more passionate, and we only get more passionate a- as it
0: goes on. It's Marty McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. Welcome back to Marty and McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. We've been... Listening to our conversation from Friday with former NBA number one pick and NASCAR team owner Brad Doherty, and we'll continue that now. For many years, guys, Brad walked around the NASCAR garage and didn't see a face that looked like his face, not one. And I can't imagine what that's like to carry. And so I asked him on Friday how he would define Bubba Wallace's courage over the past month or
2: so. You know, as a matter of fact, I sent him a text this morning just – Again, telling him, and I tell him all the time how proud I am uh, of him. Uh, unbelievable courage, and you know, it, it's a, it's almost a a, a selfless courage. You know, you, it's one of those things where you're going to put yourself in a position um, that it could go one of two ways really quickly, mm-hmm. um, and and we see this a lot in every sport. You know, I, I was always very adamant. Uh, for you know, for the last decade or so about athletes staying out of politics and athletes staying out of it, and I never wanted to get into any of that stuff. I just thought I play basketball. Why would the world would anyone care what I thought? You know, I just just the way I always felt. But I'll tell you, you know, as we look at our world today, uh, athletes have the, the the largest platforms and they have the loudest voices. And so, um, what what Bubba did, what Daryl did, I, it just takes tremendous courage. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, he's, a, he's an interesting young man. Uh, you know, we, he's talked about his mental health. He's talked about the stress. He's talked about the, you know, he, he wants to do well, but the added pressures. And for him to stand up and do this and just, I, I love his, his attitude because he just takes it as it comes. And uh, it had to come from that, that seat, uh, which is interesting. And it's never happened before because we never had anyone really in that seat. So uh, I, he's making a tremendous mark on the sport. Um, he's doing a tremendous honor for his, his family, for his, you know, the, the African-American community, and the community in general. You know, we we don't have to just segregate this conversation. Um, as you guys know, and, and and Ryan's article I, I read last night, I, I thought that was one of the most, incredible comprehensive credible articles i've ever read about the whole heritage versus hate because you hear you have someone uh and ryan like he did in his article it goes back through his own lineage and and connects the dots to his heritage uh which is deeply entrenched in the south and, and so uh there are a lot of people uh like that that are, are breathing a sigh of relief today as well um just saying this is the right thing to do and so uh but to answer your question, I'm I'm so proud of him. And uh uh you're right, man. I, I've been around a long time and it's always been hard. It's always been I, I go to these racetracks and I see that flag and you know I, I get along with everyone pretty well and I I am affable and I'm I'm an interesting or different type of, of kid because I'm an African American kid that grew up in the South in a a really small community that was predominantly Caucasian and you know we had two or three hundred African-Americans in the entire town, and we all akin to each other. So I grew up, you know, my best friends were Caucasian kids, and, and I, you know, I mirrored the things that they did. You know, I grew up listening to country music, and we loved, you know, they loved race cars, so I loved race cars, and those types of things. So I have a little different perspective. But yet and still, when I saw that flag everywhere I went, it made my skin crawl, and I always thought that was unfair. Do whatever you want to do. In the privacy of your home, or even on your property, I got no problem with that. Uh, that's what makes America great and a wonderful place in the freest, you know, country in the world. But I, in public forums, I don't think I should have to look at that because that's an intimidating and a hurtful symbol. And uh, I'm just so proud today. And, and like I say, he he's taking a big chance uh, because there'll be some backlash, but uh, it was the right thing to do.
1: There's the emotional side of it that we're talking about, but you touched on the business side of it. And and yeah. Bubba Wallace, it's no secret, has struggled to find corporate sponsorship. And, and Richard oh, Petty yeah. and Motorsports has, has struggled to find corporate sponsorship. You, are on a yep. daily basis, are trying to find corporate sponsorship. When you go shopping now, when Bubba Wallace yep. and, and Richard Petty go shopping now,
2: um, is it going to be easier? I think uh, I think as time goes by, uh it's gonna take a little time because you know they you know in, in the world of business people are still they got they still have to take temperature uh that's the reality of it i mean we would like to have our world where everyone could say what's on their mind and everyone could kind of get into a flow of what's right what's wrong uh, but when you start talking about it's not black or white when it becomes green uh, you know people or businesses are trying to flourish and survive and they don't want to offend people, uh, and so I think this opens the door, especially for our sport, to become a, a better opportunity for businesses worldwide. Uh, I've talked to black CEOs or African American CEOs of companies, and they, they didn't want any parts of. Them. And I, I would sit in board meetings, and this the, it just drive me just nuts. On um, we would have these incredible conversations. And my thing is, I would try to get. I want to. I always was pushing to pushing that barrier of color to, to get involved in the business As We all look at the racing part of it, and, and it's very important. We all want to see African American you know, drivers at the highest level and participation. But I was always talking to people about getting involved because there's incredible engineering jobs, there's incredible marketing jobs, there's incredible business opportunities. So when I would sit and talk to anyone whether it be in the, the, the marketing department, department of companies or talking directly to CEOs, the last thing that they would always ask me, especially if they've never been in NASCAR, is, okay, first, how does NASCAR feel about us being involved? And, and you know, like NASCAR is not going to allow anyone of color to be involved, which was just always just drove me crazy. And then they would, they, they would say, okay, what about the barrier for us to participate at the highest level? And I would always try to explain that barrier is not, black or white. It's green. Uh, That's what, you know, and and so I think uh, with what's happened, it'll allow uh, more business opportunity as we get back to stabilizing our economy to come in and look at the sport and the tremendous marketing opportunity uh, that NASCAR provides for uh, every usable household, usable item, item in the world. And uh, I I think the, the folks of color who are in charge, well, now look at that. NAS- I've had more people contact me in the last day and a half about becoming NASCAR fans. And these are people of color then I have tried. I have talked to and preached to for at my phone and my all of my is ringing off the hook with people saying, "Tell me more about NASCAR." Uh, I had a, a, a young lady that I work with in the NBA who's an analyst who reached out to me this morning and said, I, "Look, I want to know more about NASCAR." I want to, I, you know, you need to get, it. they give me a hard time because I, I don't do any social media, and all the stuff that's there is kind of not my, I could care less. And she's like, you got to get on Twitter because I've got, you know, I've got 20 people that want to talk about what's going on, what is NASCAR, what's it really about, how do we get involved? I've never had that, never had those conversations, never had anyone say that to me. All people always ask me is, what in the world are you doing? You're a basketball player, what are you yeah. doing in NASCAR? You're a basketball what are you doing in NASCAR, you know? And so I'm excited because now we can get past all that. I mean that when when we did the, the shows back you know the pre-race shows and, 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 and ESPN had the television programming, you know we sat there for eight years and did an incredible job. but every day I had to answer to someone about why I was there and it just it just it, it drove me crazy because you know I've been around the sport since the late 70s in some capacity. And so I always took it as a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of a racist tinge to that. And and then the lack of understanding is because, you see, our sport is just this, you know, bastion of racism. And and we argue that and we try to, to, to change that. And we see more faces on pit row of color today than we've ever seen. we got more participants on race teams. We have uh, African-American females on race teams. I mean, it's getting – People are working their butts off. And when I sat down 20 years ago, I was living in Ormond Beach. I was sitting in my living room, and Brian said, there should be a diversity initiative that is so forceful that within the next decade, it makes a huge impact upon the entire sport. And he said, well, you know, we've got to get drivers, because that's what everyone identifies with. I said, I know. I, I agree with that. But you've got to create channels where there's opportunities for everyone at every level, you know, in the sport. And he said, Well, how do you do that? And we sat on my couch with a napkin, I had a napkin, and I was going out, Okay, <clears throat> you gotta go to the team owners. This is the guys who are the big the big whales in the sport and say, Look, you've got to integrate your company because if you don't, it'll never happen. And so we that's how the NASCAR diversity program started. And and so I know what they've done in that program over the last two decades, and it's been unbelievable. If
1: not for that Drive for Diversity program that Brad Darty was just talking about, we don't have Bubba Wallace that's racing right. in the Cup Series. We don't have him doing what he's done. And as a result, uh, NASCAR doing the things they've done that's led us to have this conversation this morning. More with our conversation with Brad Darty coming straight ahead. It's Marty McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network.